0: Welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. This is a podcast about the classical world, primarily classical literature and philosophy, but we, you know, (laughs) spread our wings and fly to another classical topic every now and again. Sometimes we hit art and stuff, still hoping to do an architecture lecture. And yeah, that's what we're about, trying to bring old stuff to you in as painless a way as possible. And today... Uh, We have an episode from Thomas that actually came at the request of a listener, and it was a good request. And then I gave it to Thomas as that good request. (laughs) Not like some of those bad requests. And then then Thomas said, dang it, that is a good suggestion. (laughs) That's
1: exactly how the conversation went.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, All right, so Thomas. Oh, I forgot to introduce introduce us. Who are we? I'm AJ Hannenberg, and I'm joined by Graham Donaldson and Thomas Magby. Hello. And two of us work at a classical school in Austin, Texas. One of us used to work at the classical school. Um, Thomas has now is, is now going to math school, so he's doing math. math school stuff.
1: So that's our first time saying it on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. So that is a thing that is true. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about the Book of Common Prayer today. Yeah. You your intro talked about this being a podcast about like classical philosophy and stuff. So plus whatever we want to talk about is always feels like the. Secondary category, so. I guess we'd call it a classic in terms of it being older than 100 years old, right? Is that how I justify this? We had a whole episode about what is classical, like a long time ago. Like- it was like episode 13. I think that, that was my first episode is what is classical. I haven't listened to it in uh, like, as two, long as years, since we've right? done it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so anyway, yes, this topic did uh, start from... A listener who passed it along to aj and i will say to the comment about um bad requests i do anytime someone requests a topic i, I keep a spreadsheet in our um i keep a spreadsheet of, of running topic requests so i promise we have that so do you have
2: them in columns like good requests and bad requests yeah i rate all of
1: them on a one to ten scale and then no it's not true I do not do that. Okay, so we are talking about the Book of Common Prayer today. So uh, I come to this topic as an Anglican. Anglicans use a Book of Common Prayer. Um, Gentlemen, what is your background with this, you know, I say the word Book of Common Prayer, what comes to mind?
0: I mean, Catholicism, obviously. And then I've, I used to read a lot of the the Valley of Vision prayer mm. book, which was a Puritan prayer book mm. in my classroom mm. uh, as sort of just a, a way to show kids how to pray. Didn't but you, not, you didn't like it. Well, I, I liked it at first, and then I sort of realized that it leaned really hard on the people are nothing and worthless and terrible and God is awesome, but, it, but the percentage was off. Like, it was like 80% I'm totally worthless. Dude, they're
2: Puritans. 20% <laughs> God is rad. The entire...
0: And I, I, I tried to reach out to the Book of Common Prayer for some alternatives that seemed more in line with talking about God and his greatness rather than just... How bad? Self-debasement. Yep. Debasement's um, the wrong word.
2: My relationship with the Book of Common Prayer, I grew up Anglican, so I uh, used it every Sunday. Although we use the um, the Book of Alternative Services.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, which is, is it a derivative of the book of common prayer? I can't remember. They had, there was probably one of those like conferences that happened in the seventies where we we're like, we need to make this book more like cool for the hip, <laughs> for the hippies in the Anglican church.
1: Was it a more modern um, book? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That'd probably be why.
2: Um, but the book of common prayer, I mean, so it's, it's from England. Yes. Um, uh, and was when England became Anglican, when they sort of kind of were Protestant, uh they realized mean, wait a minute
1: <laughs> well what do you mean kind of well
2: because it's very different than like what was happening in germany with the lutherans yes um they realized they needed their own book yes that wasn't catholic yes but it's like 80 percent the same as, um oh as 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 the old prayer book sure yes um but my own personal relationship is like if you can get if you can start on like the the, the lines I can probably do it just from like rote memory because I did it every every Sunday as a kid.
1: Oh, so all the um,
2: we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed of what we have done by what we have not done. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved and neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sore and humbly humbly repent for the sake of your son Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so
1: uh, have mercy on us and forgive us. Yes. Okay. So good. So what is this book that we're talking about? It's uh, it comes from the Church of England. Um, so I guess we'll talk briefly about. I want to talk a little bit about kind of why this book existed in the first place, which Graham started getting into. <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, I mean, because we got, you know. That's funny. On. I said Catholicism and it's Church that's of a, England.
2: Yeah. Yes. That's funny. Well, cause the reason the, it exists is because we wanted, Henry wanted to divorce his wife. So that's why. It exists.
1: <laughs> Though I will say the Book of Common Prayer doesn't come until the next king, oh, yes. which I think is Edward. Um, I'm, nope. I'm, is that not right? Who's the king after Henry VIII? The king after Henry VIII? Yeah.
2: Well, his daughter becomes queen. No, no,
1: not. So, um, James I, probably. Edward, no, Edward VI. Edward the Eighth, Edward the Sixth, then Mary the First, is what oh, this yeah, says yeah. in front of me. You're right. So under Edward the Sixth, sorry, I got the number wrong. Uh, that's when he the book did. He, he, he like,
2: hurt. but he died pretty quick.
1: He did die pretty okay, quick, that's and then one. also, so then did a lot of Anglicans when Mary the First came around. Gotcha. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so this book, well, so Graham, you're very knowledgeable about this because this so intersects right. a lot with your pla- uh, Plantagenets episodes. Correct. Uh,
2: I mean, or, I stopped just, at the War of the Roses, yes. and which is way before.
1: Well, didn't you have we not? I thought we've talked about the, this topic before. Have we not like Thomas Kramer, any of these people before? I must be thinking of a different one of your episodes. Then
2: there are, there's um, there's different Kramers anyway. Okay, there's there's Thomas and then there's the other guy, <laughs>
1: yeah, yes, other guy uh, Cosmo. Shoot.
0: Cosmo Cosmo
1: <laughs> Kramer. Yep, that's it. My favorite of the Kramers. Um, well, then never mind. I've I thought we were treading, retreading ground, so maybe we're not. So, um, there is. Um, there's this time in the history of England and I'm, you know, obviously I'm going to skip like 1500 years and just get to the um, topic at hand. And uh, there's this fellow named Henry VIII, and Henry VIII um, is married and has had a daughter, but he wants to have a son and he blames um, his wife. That's uh, that's Catherine, isn't it? I think Catherine is the first uh, yep. wife, Catherine of, I don't know. Yeah. Aragon. Mm-hmm. Aragon. Okay. So Catherine is his first wife. They have some kids together. Actually, uh, like they have I think six kids. Uh, most of them die pretty early. Some of them are sons, but yeah, you know, they're either stillborn or die very, very, very young. Um, Mary, the the um, Mary the first is the only one who uh, survives of those six children. But Henry the wants to have a son, and so he is blaming his first wife for. Uh, him not having a son, and so he wants to... Are you saying it's not her fault? <laughs> it's actually the man's fault. Here's your fun <laughs> chromosomal fact for the day, uh, that whatever problem it was, was most likely with Henry VIII, because he's the one who has the white chromosome.
2: Syphilis doesn't help either. Is that what he had? I mean, if, if, in terms of the sickly children. Oh. Yes, he did. Okay. Probably most likely, yeah.
1: Um, I guess that, um, he... So, part of the, you know... Uh, so, he'll eventually uh, meet... Um, is it Anne Boleyn is the next uh, wife of his that um, that he'll so he'll um, he'll eventually go through um, three queens and none of them will yield a, a male heir, which is unfortunate for him. But just to one of them was named Anne Hathaway. Is that, uh, that isn't? and yeah, I'm gonna get all my. And wasn't names.
2: there like a Jane Seymour?
1: Uh, Jane Seymour's after that's Anne Boleyn and then Jane Seymour. Doctor
0: Queen Medicine Woman.
1: Um, did you say menacing woman? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like this at all. <laughs>
0: um, she was that lady that had an iron, you know, like an iron I see, I
1: see Catherine, I see Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, and Catherine Parr. Oh, it's
0: not
2: an Anne Hathaway. Who's Anne Hathaway?
1: Uh, she's an actress. I don't understand. Okay. So, um, but the, the more pressing mm. to the topic at hand is that Henry VIII, uh, starts out married to Catherine of Aragon. And wants to divorce her, but is not able to do this. Do you all know why he's married to Catherine in the first place, other than that they had a marriage ceremony? Spain. I'll say more.
2: Oh, I'm I'm assuming it's some kind of alliance. Oh, with this with the Kingdom of Aragon.
1: I'm trying to. Um, so yes, Catherine is um, the uh, uh, she is Spanish daughter to Ferdinand II and Isabella I. Um, See, Things like this that make me think you've already done an episode on this. So, again, apologies if I've
2: no, because this is Tudors. We, 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 we ended up being we ended up in We didn't even get to the War of the Roses.
1: Are you going to do that at some point? No, you definitely should. Um, so, uh, he had um, he's uh, they were married to each other because Catherine had previously been married to his brother, oh, there and you then go. his brother died, and then um, Henry VIII married Catherine. Um, this uh, I can I can pull it up, but it's in Leviticus of like. Um, he
2: was 19 and she was like 34 or something like that.
1: I don't think the age difference is that large, but she was older than, um, him and he was, he was 18 at the time. I want to say she was like 20 something. Oh, awesome. Um, uh, where is it? The, when, uh, yeah. When brethren dwell together and one of them dieth without children, the wife of the deceased shall not marry to another, but his brother shall take her and raise up seed for his brother. So that clear command that, um, he was to marry Catherine and then have children and then, you know, go on from there, which at the time seemed fine. He was 18, probably didn't know any better. Um, and there was no reason to think that he wouldn't have a male heir. Sure. Right. So that's what, that's the reason they enter into the marriage in the first place. But then at this point, I don't know the, you know, it's 20 years later, they've gone through, um, six children, none of the males. And Henry is, uh, concerned as to how, as to what he's going to do. Right. Um, so, I, I guess let's stop, let's just pause there. I normally see this presented as a negative thing. Henry VIII is a bad guy, he wants to divorce Catherine, and so he's just looking for whatever reason possible to divorce. Is that Does that line up with how you all think about this moment in time?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's kind
0: of the, that's the easy way to teach it. Right? Yeah, didn't he request a divorce from the Pope, and the Pope denied him? Yes. And so, then...
1: So he's trying to go through the proper channels, which would be. Yeah, he tried. Yes. And uh, popes, at, you know, popes have and had uh, given annulments before to allow uh, him to um, divorce Catherine and then find another wife. And so, the
2: annulments have to have, like, really specific criteria. Like, you yes. find out you're actually blood related. Yes. Or there's other ones. Or you've never um, sort of consummated. consummated the, yeah. But, I mean, you know, six dead kids, you can't have a hard time.
1: Proving not Proving that one. Right, exactly. yeah. I
2: guess they didn't all die. But um, and lying to the Pope is not. And There's other one. I think if do. if they become a heretic or if they're excommunicated, I think you can. I can't remember
1: that. If so, that would make more sense for um after he marries um Anne Boleyn, uh, she essentially gets uh, accused of heresy. She gets accused of horrible things, and then that's what allows for the divorce eventually. So gotcha. that that's a strategy that will he'll take for wife the second. But at this point, that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there's there are specific things that they're looking for, and the Pope's answer is. The pope's answer is no. Um, and who's the pope at this time? Clement the Seventh. Okay. Uh, so, Cl- and Clement the Seventh, before becoming Clement the Seventh, was a Medici. Uh, so, another angle to this that I hadn't thought of until starting to do research for this is that you have this, you know. So, uh, totally, Henry the Eighth is the king of England. He is looking for a male heir. There's a specific reason that he's looking for a male heir, other than just. So um, women at this time can become queen and can um, succeed the throne. Mm-hmm. But there's a point of reference in his mind that made him wary of wanting to do that. Uh, uh, do you know what that – do you remember the – this is My during Plantagenes. guess Plantagenet's. Is this is,
2: yeah, going uh, way back to – oh, it's her name? Um, was it Stephen and – I don't know, there's, there's this, uh, uh,
1: um... Matilda's the one who they attempted to put in power. Oh,
2: that one, okay, yeah, no, I mean, I just remembered that, yes, in English history up to this time, the, all of the examples of women taking over the kingdom have been met with, like, civil war and bloodshed.
1: Yes, and the, the most recent time before, so we're talking in the 16th century, we're you know, 1500s time, and the, the time most recent, at least again, mm-hmm. a, a time before this where a, a woman had been installed as queen uh, was in the 12th century. Yeah. Um, this was after, um, do you remember this about her
2: husband was the, the where we get the name Plantagenet from, he was French. Uh, she, if I'm getting, the, if I have the right queen, is this William
1: Adelin? Is he the one? No, he's not the one we get the name from. Because I thought you told us there's a story about um, a bunch of people go out on a boat, yeah, and then they all, yeah, yeah they, that, all, di- they yeah, all
2: died. They all died, and then um, she is a certain next in line. But then there's somebody on, there's someone else that could also be king. And then there's this big old basically a civil war yeah. that happens. Yeah, it's not great.
1: Just to just to say it again, the the king at the time is out on a boat with a bunch of people. This boat, um,
2: it's clearly a party boat. It yes. was the, was it the king or no? It was all the king's kids. Uh, the plus other on.
1: people. Cause there's like a butcher on board and he's yeah, the yeah. only person who survives. Um, so they're out on party boat. The party boat flips over, kills
2: all the like heirs to the throne. Yes.
1: Uh, which leaves, um,
2: it's very sad. The prince dies yes. trying to rescue his sister. Yes. The heir to the throne dies rescuing his sister. And they both drown.
1: which then leaves the question of who will take over the throne at this yep. point. Uh, the throne, uh, is, uh, attempted to be passed to, uh, Matilda. It's, Um, Empress Matilda is, you know, just pulling it up here. Um, And there is such a strong response, strong revolt to this, uh, to her being placed as uh, head over England that it kicks off a 30 year period called the anarchy. Like that's the, you know, it's it's like law and order is like vanishes from the land for 30 years. And there's um, this questions of who should be in charge. So it's thrown the entire kingdom into this state of bloodshed and, um, and terror. Right. So that's what is in Henry VIII's mind as he's – I'm just trying to present this from a This is a, a defense of, uh, I mean, a defense yeah, of uh, the Church of England. Of the Church of England, sure. I mean, that's a thing that I think has to be in his mind. The other side of it is that you get these weird um, – uh, Graham is very apologetic for drinking so close to the microphone right now. Trying not to Thanks. gulp right in the microphone. Yeah. How dare you? Um, and the other side of it is that uh, Henry VIII, an English king – uh, married to a Spanish queen is requesting from an Italian Pope, the ability to annul his marriage, to maintain um, English um, sovereignty sovereignty and in, in like the line of Kings. Mm-hmm. And so you get this strange element and not only any Italian, but the Medicis who are a, a prominent family in Italy is who uh, did I just say this, that um, uh, Clement the seventh was a Medici before mm-hmm. he was Pope. So, Um, there's this other side of it too, where there's like this kind of natural antagonism between the different countries that plays into Clement's decision to say no to the annulment, though he had granted annulments before. Um, am I being clear on Mm -hmm. that? So there are all these things playing into it that makes it more complicated than just Henry VIII bad guy wants to abandon this poor woman. Um, there are other things that he has in mind, such as the like continuation of the nation of England, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, so this will then lead to him asking some smart people to figure out um, how he can divorce uh, his wife and, like, make a justification for it. Um, and there are a few people that go into that decision. The person who we're, like, focused on for right now is Thomas Kramer is one of those people.
2: Now, meanwhile, the, like, percolating in the background has been um, what eventually becomes the Protestant Reformation. Yes uh starting in what is now the Czech Republic with Jan Hus and um, uh, and then you have uh, John Wycliffe in England and Kramer himself uh Cranmer Kram. Cranmer Cranmer Kran- uh, Cranmer um, is yeah. is uh, sympathetic to Wycliffe um, and so you've got this whole kind of like reformation uh, sort of
1: bubbling, gurgle, bubbling
2: yeah. under the surface, and yes. you've got Luther going on, and then you've have the church, uh, the the church reacting kind of you know strongly and violently in some places, and then like actually taking on the, um, taking on the the the, the reforming attitudes. Um, so yeah, so this is, this is sort of like like a it's almost like a theological movement is going on in the background.
0: Is Cranmer the guy that they? they got for <clears throat> they i think he was he was he a protestant, protestant um eventually yes mm-hmm. so he was the guy that they made recant his protestantism yes. we'll get i think there. and yeah. then okay we'll, def-
1: we'll definitely get there that's so cool it's
0: such yeah. a cool story all right I'm um, trying to trying to place in my head who this guy is yes and and then um
2: you've also got sir um thomas moore at this yes. period of two who is just delightful um, so it's a really interesting part of history. And just for listeners, if you like this period of history, there is a wonderful literature series called Wolf Hall, where the main character is Thomas Cranmer. Thomas? I, was getting the, I always get the, the two confused. There's Thomas, and there's the other guy that, like, has a theocracy, like, 100 years later. Um, uh, anyway,
1: whatever. Um... Thomas Cranmer is the one we're talking about yeah, right now. Yeah, Thomas is Cranmer. That?
2: Okay. Uh, and so there's Wolf Hall, which is very good. I've never read it. Uh, um... Uh, my father really loves them and always talks about them. So go for it.
1: And also this episode. No, okay. So, um, so Henry VIII is looking for justifications for, uh, you know, allowing this divorce to happen to allow the peaceful transfer of power to a king. That's what he's hoping for. Um, so, uh, like I said, en- enlist these smart people to help him figure out how he can make these justifications. One of them is Thomas Kramer. Thomas Kramer is the um, Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, So he's uh, high up in uh, the religious structure in England and um, is able to make that justification. You know, there's more detail that goes into it, but uh, supports Henry VIII in coming up with this justification for why the marriage should be annulled, why it should be ended. Um, These aren't specific there are different, you know, ways the story is talked about. Henry the eighth apparently was very stubbornly focused on certain verses that, you know, so I read one before that said that a brother is supposed to marry the wife of a brother who dies. Well, there are also, um, verses that talk about how, um, if a man shall take his brother's wife, it is an impurity. He hath uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless, which seemed to, um, match with the situation they were going through. Um, Another command in Leviticus, thou shalt not uncover the the nakedness of thy brother's wife. It is thy brother's nakedness. Um, So there, you know, it's as with all things, it's a complicated topic and they were able to make this argument, you know, somewhat motivated. They had the conclusion in mind when they went to the Bible, they weren't like, you know, I think it's fair to say it was not like a, genuine looking for what does Bible, the Bible say about annulment, right? Yeah, there was no honest seeking there. Correct. Oh, just because we're
0: going to get a
2: bunch of emails. Uh, what if I messed up? Um, it? yeah. No, it's it's the person I was getting confused with was Cromwell. So oh. Oliver Cromwell oh, 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 is the yeah. uh, general who leads basically like a theocracy in England for a spell. Um, and then there's a Thomas Cromwell, mm-hmm. who also is in play around this time of the story. But okay. we're talking about Cram-
1: Kramer. Cramer. Yep. So and,
2: anyway, so all those of you that are already fiercely typing your, well, actually. <laughs> um uh, I would still
1: I would love all the well actually emails. We have very smart listeners. That's part that of what I don't true. I don't like doing historical topics because I know there are many listeners that know this stuff better than I do, but uh, we're the ones with microphones, so apologies.
0: Yeah, we passed the test. We passed the podcast. Yeah, you test. shell out two hundred bucks <laughs> for a microphone.
1: And <laughs> a and then you two can start your own podcast. <laughs> That's how this works. So the you know, the long story short is that uh, Thomas Kramer, among others, are able to come up with this argument that justifies the annulment between Catherine and um, Henry VIII. So that's what happens. They then um, separate and then um, move on to um, Anne Boleyn, and, which goes poorly and then repeats going poorly for five more wives. So there's that. Okay. But this, um, by doing this, essentially, Henry VIII has set up that um, this the Church of England structure, which had previously just existed as like a branch of Catholicism. That's what this like archbishop role was. It was like the head of the Catholic Church in England. Well, th- th- this then created a separation where instead of going to the Pope to look for something, uh, it was Kramer and the um, Church of England, like locally, that was making this decision in disagreement with the Pope.
2: And well, just as an aside, like this has always been a political and religious tug of war with Rome yes. in England because you've always had a sort of going back and forth between can the king. Um, Basically, install the Archbishop of Canterbury, Canterbury, which would have very strong, like, political, um, you know, boons. Right. Or does the the uh, does the Vicar of Rome do it? Does the Pope do it? And so, if there's periods where the Pope um, um, has can install the Bishop of Canterbury, and everyone's grumpy about that in England, and there's a t- period of time where the King of England can do it, and that makes Rome grumpy, because you have this position of power that can be decided on by Either the king or the pope, and it goes back and forth, and so um, that's always been in the background. And yes. so now you've got a you know another little um, separation between England and Rome, wherein you've now got um, the Archbishop of Canterbury with strong Protestant sympathies yes. as the Archbishop, yes. um, and making a decision that the Pope had previously said no to. So that's that's you know,
1: which will also kind of set up the conflict for the next few generations of kings and queen ultimately is what we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you just reference this, but just to say again, Henry the will have this Protestant sympathy at some level to justify his actions, but also out of this kind of um, what does it look like? Reformation is happening in other places. Does it need to look a certain way in mm-hmm. England? And then the church of England ends up being the answer to that question, right? What does reformation look like here? you know, surprise, it looks kind of Catholic, right? So, um, so, uh, that got us through Henry VIII's divorce. And then I'm going to kind of leave off the rest of it of, um, he has many more wives eventually. Um, um, and then we'll eventually die and we'll have a new King in a little bit, but, uh, this separation between Rome and England creates a problem then of what is, well, first off, what is like distinctive between England and Rome and for a while, the answer is essentially like everything is the same. So for Henry the reign, um, there's no, there is no book of common prayer. There's no English service that's like developed and codified, at least just to say that I'm sure there were, you know, people did their own thing. Um, and, um, so that will last, you know, Henry the eighth will die in 1547 and he is succeeded by Edward the sixth, I think is what I just said. Well, Edward the sixth, um, will turn to Kramer and Cranmer and ask for this new, you know, what should service look like. He want in part of it is kind of a self-serving, like he, you know, he wants his name associated with this, right? Like anyway, I don't want to like criticize all these things because they end up producing good stuff. But um so this leads then to the creation of this book of um prayer in 1549. So um a couple years into Edward the Sixth uh, reign. Um in there are many authors associated with the, or the obviously many people were involved in the creation of this um, book, but um, Thomas Cranmer is like the, the chief person responsible for it.
2: You can go and you can still buy Cranmer's BCP, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, well, and well, just so I say it, so 1549 is the first one, yeah. and it's kind of put together quickly. Um, it's meant to be a temporary document. It's replaced in 52, and that's like the. Book of Common Prayer. I, 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 when you say the Cranmer version, I, I assume people mean the fifteen fifty yeah, two yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, you, you and you can find it online if you want to look for it. Um, so, um, so we now have this like distinctive uh, form of worship for the Church of England. There's this distinctive um, service, distinctive prayers, distinctive catechism, um, and I um, smells and bells. <laughs> I mean, yes, well, that's what's again AJ's. Association with this at the beginning was Catholicism, but, um, I guess it comes out of like the breviary, like the Catholic readings, but, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, probably to most Protestants, it probably feels like a Catholic document, but by that we just mean it's like a formal well, it's set, not like a prayers, right? strip
2: mall Pentecostal service. <laughs> wow. I don't, I
1: don't think I know it. <laughs> no, what that I'm just means,
2: saying if you're if you're putting it on the spectrum of Christian expression, like it is yes. closer
0: to Catholicism than. Yes. Yeah. What you're saying is I can go to church right next to a Cinnabon? Yes, you yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's probably, the preferred <laughs> at form. In some places, church. probably yes. even in the, in Cinnabon. the Cinnabon.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, that'd be great. <laughs> if you so desire, why not? <laughs> okay. So that. Uh, <laughs> America. America. <laughs> okay. So that uh, gets us to, again, 1552. That's kind of the. The, the 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 version of the book of common prayer that kramer wanted to put out i guess is the way to to say it and again you can look it up and uh you know your spoiler alert is that this is no longer the book that we use for you know anglicans still exist right there's still an episcopalian church and a
2: Church. There's a couple of them. <laughs> there are quite a few, actually, is what I was thinking <laughs> no, a as couple of, a couple, couple of Anglican churches. That's what I meant.
1: Yeah, that ACNA and Episcopals. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But just to say, like, you know, 500 years later, we still have a Church of England. We don't still use the 1552 prayer book. Do you want to take any guesses as to why we don't use the 1552 prayer book anymore?
2: Um, th- There's one, I mean, I remember there was, I don't know how controversial you want to get. There's one in the marriage ceremony where, like, the wife has to pledge like eternal obedience mm. i remember that being a sticking point
1: so you, you know there are like theological positions that are prominent in the 16th century that aren't sure the same way we talk about those things now mm-hmm. or have changed in some some way so that would be a part of it sure. right yeah, yeah i mean there's yeah theology is kind of a you know it's an evolving process yes. like it, this depends on who you ask but yeah so there's that part of it you want to guess another reason
2: I mean, you got to change it from king to queen every time. There's a, it changes.
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. The first person to uh, uh, we got it. Rid-
2: yeah, we're gonna have to re- we're have to reprint some of these things to take out queen. <laughs> yes. Uh, y-
1: yes, and the first, but the first person to get rid of this book of common prayer will be a queen. So it's almost kind of a moot point at that in that regard. Was but it the Protestant Refo- Reformation? Uh, that's going on at the same time, and and uh, ultimately, this is the the reform this is the english reformation right this right. is the reformation happening in, in in england this is a it's a stupid and petty reason it's the like the words and the spelling are really like weird because it's 450 years or 500 years old so uh you know the spelling is not standardized in the way that it is now um oh it's like pre-webster yeah that's what i mean it's
0: pre-standardization of spelling
1: yeah if i just i if I, if I just open the preface of the 1552 book it's the boke b o k e of common prayer um and you Know there was never any spelled a n y e thing the uh, T-H-Y-N-G-E, uh, by the wit w y t t e of man, so just you know, things like that. Um, so like they're reading the Canterbury Tales, yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, it's more understandable when is the Canterbury? It's 500 years before this, right? No, it's not that old, is it? It's
2: about 300 years before it,
1: okay, but uh, so language is reading through it I, I haven't spent a lot of time with the 1552 book of common prayer but um you can t- you can typ- typically tell what's being said but it's obviously spelled i would say wrong but they would say differently right so that's part of that so that's the 1552 book uh, uh, prayer book and this will um uh this lasts until oh this lasts until edward the sixth dies so um edward the sixth passes and mary the first takes over how does he die uh, great question. Uh, by death. I don't know. He was he, young. I can't remember. Maybe he was just sick. Aren't they all kind of sickly? Termites. Yeah. <laughs> made of it was? <laughs> uh, he fell ill. Uh, when his sickness was discovered to be terminal, they, um, he named lady Jane gray to take over, excluding his half sisters, Mary and Elizabeth. And that didn't happen though. Cause Mary becomes, uh, queen. So Mary the 1st of England succeeds Edward the 6th um and is This is Bloody Mary. This is Bloody Mary. Um and Bloody Mary do you know why she's called Bloody how Mary? Did, yeah,
0: how did she earn her moniker? She kills all the English. Did kids. she day drink?
1: <laughs> yeah, she loved drinking Bloody Marys and so that's where she gets the name. She created the I drink actually, Did she really? Oh. No. That would, well. Man, I'm so gullible. I feel
0: like you guys know so much about history and I'm just I'm just a you know wandering Wikipedia. child, grasping I just, for leaves I have off Wikipedia of Wikipedia
1: pulled up in front of me. Let's just Do figure. you think Catholic Brits call her Bloody Mary? Probably not, right? Well, I don't know how it'd be interesting, Catholic listeners. So, you know, as an Anglican, Mary I is like, it's a tragedy, right? So there's all this reformation happening in England. It has some questionable origin. We've covered that already. But there's like a good thing happening here of a distinctly English form of of worship. I didn't say this, but another thing that's kind of a downside bummer is that as these books of common prayer are put together, there are what are they, there's like laws put in place that are like, you must worship from the book of common prayer. I think they're called the act of uniformity. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, you can be punished for not using these books. So, you know, I don't want to That's paint. not great. Exactly. I don't want to paint this as like. But this I mean,
2: you're saying there's a, an authentic version of English worship is come, is sort of um, being developed, being right? developed. Yes. But you also have, for example, in the realm, uh, staying still under the Catholic umbrella, the, yeah. the worship that happens in Ireland versus Spain versus Italy, yes. all under Catholicism, yes. all has their own cultural expressions as well. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying that, like, there is there is something very different for it to be a break from. Yes.
1: You're saying, no. what you're saying is that there's the, you know, Roman Catholic form of worship that's then localized in certain ways? Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, England has always had, and then this is sort of where we get... Um, I mean, they've always – they they've, they had a parliament uh, mm. a lot uh, sooner than uh, um, sort of the, the, the absolute monarchies of Europe. Mm-hmm. There There's always been a, a sense in the back of their mind that kings were under a natural law. Like this is the Magna Carta, that mm-hmm. the kings – that there was a law that was higher than the kings that the kings had to conform to. There was something that they had to do. So the British people have always had that kind of sense of um, – we can refer to something else than other just than other other than just the human powers of authority. Yes. So uh, um um so it, it makes sense that um in the english mind breaking with catholicism is less um, it was not as much as a stretch as it was let's say in
1: spain. Yes. Well and that's um it's part of my point in raising earlier that so you can tell the story of the break of England from Rome in a lot of different ways. You know, Henry the eighth is, um, he's tired of his first wife. He wants to marry a younger woman. This was, you know, and so he's looking for whatever justif- justification he can find. And you know, who cares if he breaks with the church of England, he doesn't believe it anyway. And so he splits mm-hmm. or, um, that's probably the way that I was taught in high school. Sure. And that might, you know, it's, this is the problem of history that, uh, what's the quote? All history is fiction. Like the, the, whatever story we're telling, I'm not, I'm not reading you quotes from Henry the mm-hmm. eighth to say that. Um, but just to point out that of um, st- uh, church and state are much more closely linked at this point. And so it's not just a neutral Pope has commented on a theological matter. It's an Italian has told an, Eng, uh, an, an, an English king that he can't further his line. Mm-hmm. And that's, so there's more to it than just on this theological matter, Henry the eighth disagrees. It's, He's being told you are going to plunge your sit, your uh, nation into um, ruin because Ia Pope told you to.
0: Yeah, even though I live so far from you, yes. and it's
1: it's it's a submission thing. Yes, right? exactly, and yeah, and that's There's precedent there. Yeah, and and it's not just and again, it's not just anyone. It's a Medici who's telling him this. Like that's, it's just more complicated than Henry the Eighth wants to divorce. Um, yes, I guess that's the only point I'm getting at. I don't know if that, I think that lines up with what you're saying.
2: I would just like to point out that right now in the world, um, the Euro cup is happening, the European soccer game. And, and it's just, I don't know. I just love watching it, um, with all of the, with just sort of the rich history of Europe always in the back of my mind. France just played Germany the other day. And I mean, how can you not watch France play Germany without like 800 years of history, just like floating around on that pitch. Anyway, that's sort of
0: my aside.
1: Have you been watching any soccer, AJ? Nope. I've watched zero. I, yeah, good. Okay, so no, my word. Uh, soccer is great is what I meant to say. Sorry. That was a great point. Oh, no,
0: I'm, I got nothing against it. No. I didn't even know it was happening. Yeah. I'm, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, feeling disconnected. It's. Uh, I, I wonder if the way that you go to that soccer game and not have 800 years of history flowing through your mind is just to soak yourself in alcohol. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> do that. I mean, I
2: got to say that when yes. Germany play Poland, ooh, some of the chants that go back and forth are not Risque great. Oh, <laughs> yeah. gosh like Germany just marching into Poland. Oh, yeah. Right, like that this. kind of nope, stuff.
1: Nope, not nope, great. Nope. nope but nope. kind of great. <laughs> no, this is no good. Okay, so uh, Mary the First, we're at uh, Bloody Mary. feel very awkward. Yeah. I'm going to move past this moment. Move past this moment. Okay, so uh, Henry the Eighth. <laughs> yes, look, I'm, I'm the one trying to not get us taken off of the internet. Okay, so uh, we've gone from Henry the Eighth to Edward the Sixth. Uh, which then takes us to Mary the first. So, um, Mary the first, so Mary the first is, um, uh, Catholic. Um, and that, uh, that's what I was just reading about Edward, the eighth, Edward, the sixth, sorry, all these numbers was trying to not have Mary the first become queen. It doesn't work out. Um, and, um, Mary the first, uh, essentially, uh, uh, bans this English reformation. She bans, um, the book of common prayer. She, um, uh, puts to death many who were protestant supporters uh i think somewhere around 300 i think is the number i don't have it right in front of me um so a lot of people who end up dying um just aj brought this up earlier uh thomas Cranmer is one of those people who is ultimately put to death it by who mary the first really i thought he was
2: killed by uh i think oh man
1: if I, i'm i'm looking forward to getting all of this wrong and and then finding it out later
2: maybe wolf is about someone different
1: um so the way things work is that um, Mary the first takes, um, um, you know, takes the throne and uh Kramer is put on a trial for treason, right? He was not a Catholic and um, she essentially is accusing him of what well, is clearly a true thing that he doesn't support the Catholic church. He has lots of chances. He, he gets to have discussions with many Catholic officials. Um, he ultimately, he begins recanting his faith. He, he will um, say positive things about the Catholic church um, to, in a, in, a, in an attempt to put himself under good graces um, with Mary the first. And it's starting to look like things are going to work out. The, um, the person he's meeting with um, accepts the reasons that Kramer gives the recantations he gives he, uh, this, the, the guy accepts it essentially. Well, Mary the first doesn't accept it and um, insists that, no mercy should be given to Cranmer for his, you know, there are obviously more people involved than just Cranmer, but, like, he is kind of at that initial moment of the split with the Catholic Church, and so Mary I is not willing He's to— He's the figure.
2: I and mean, he ends up yes. being the uh, the scapegoat or whatever.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: I was wrong. So Wolf falls about Cromwell, um, oh, okay. who is also a, an advisor who was Protestant to Henry VIII, but Henry Eighth ends up killing him.
1: Oh. Um, Alistair
2: Cromwell? uh no. no i'm just
1: kidding um, that's where I, it's too many Thomases, right i know
2: that's, and then you know. like uh, Grandmer and cromwell and anyway yeah uh the, you, you asked me why i don't do episodes on like this very first <laughs> because this is why because i don't know it um
1: that's why again like the questions around like how did Edward the sixth die it's like i don't know it's yeah he just died <laughs> but oh, anyway so we'll
2: fall about cromwell who is also involved in this whole yeah, story time, but too. back with henry the eighth and that's where
1: anyway. and i'm uh, i'm over-focused on this one strain to get us to the Book yes. of Common Prayer. Um, so uh, the uh, AJ already made reference to this. Cranmer uh, is attempting to recant his Protestant belief, or, you know, English Reformed beliefs, and Mary I doesn't accept it. So Mary, he is put to death ultimately is what is happening. He's given the chance for one more, uh, he's able to recant one more time before he is ultimately put to death, and he knows that he's about to be put to death. And so he submits his, uh, comments to, uh, you know, everyone so that they can approve it. He then, uh, gets up to give this final recantation. And as he gets up to give it, instead of reading from his notes, he, um, he promises that when he goes to be burned as a heretic, that his hand, his, you know, his writing hand, his right hand will go into the flame first, um, because it's the one, um, um, that that he had lied with so much. So the first to be punished, the first to be purified um, is that hand um, um, as he goes into the flame. That's what he promises to all of them. So he undoes his recantation in his final moment, right? So uh, uh, confirms himself as a, again, I, I keep wanting to say Protestant, but I, like English Protestant. I don't know if that... Anyway. So he promises that his hand will be the first to go in. He also uh, calls the pope the antichrist. He condemns the Catholic Church for false doctrine and then he's pulled from the place where he's giving this talk, taken to the fire. He he does what he says he will. He puts his hand into the flame to be burned first and then he's totally pushed into the flame and then his final words are um Lord Jesus receive my spirit. I see the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So. And that is Kramer. I mean
0: that's pretty epic. It is. As a way to go.
1: Was there a part that I missed? Is that No, I mean
0: okay. that's that's you had more knowledge of it than I did. Yeah. I just remembered the, the hand the writing hand into the fire first because that's what he had recanted with. Yes. That's such a cool story.
1: Um I was trying to, yeah.
0: I'm worried that my last words are gonna be something like Well, no, because I'll get hit by a car or something (laughs) like, you know, I mean, at least at least you had the moment to sort of plan those words out. I wonder how many last words have been totally undignified. Nurse, Probably most of them. Nurse, (laughs) nurse, nurse, or like, yeah, 2% is fine or something.
1: You know what I mean? (laughs) You're allergic to milk. Is that the.
0: (laughs) Well, just like got you got milk at a coffee place. You got coffee and then you got hit. No, this is horrible. On your way home. Like, you know, it's no good. Yeah. How many were Good night.
1: Hmm. Man, probably most of, of them. Man, that well, that's a so bad, that's though. a pretty
0: bleak thing to think about sorry no. about taking well. us down this little
1: road No, that's why you say like I love you every time you see someone like your your oh. people mm-hmm. that you care for is because you never know when that'll be the last time you see them love you guys oh this is getting, oh, this is getting dark <laughs> um, okay so that gets us through the story of uh, Kramer um, you know there are there are eventually more changes made to the Book of Common Prayer again there's the language is changing the spelling is changing some of the you know the early Book of Common Prayer isn't um the ones I've seen are pretty small. And so clearly things are being added to it over time. Um, you know, and by the time we get the version that the Anglican Church of North America puts out, it's in addition to all of the services and prayers that you have. And we'll talk about that in a second. Now, does
2: that book have within it all of the service? Like, does that book have, is it like a handbook for um like if, if you are doing uh, installation of a new bishop is is yep. that service in there yep okay so it's it's so clearly it's probably grown because of like how do you if you have like a i don't know foreign dignitary uh, attending a church service how, yeah. what do you do that and, kind of yeah and just
1: to finish the sentence from before it's also adding more documents to mm-hmm. the um the book so like there are founding documents to the anglican church such as the 39 articles um, so these are kind of things that are distinctives from the Catholic Church that the Church of England proclaims. That's included in there. You'll get prefaces from old books of common prayer. So that's another part of what you're saying, Graham, of like there's just more history to put into the book as history continues, right, as time goes on. Um, but yeah, yeah so that's memorial what—
2: Memorial services and for yes. wars and that kind of thing.
1: Yes, and even, you know, I guess we'll go into it. There's like a, a section for occasional prayers. Well, some of those occasional prayers have to do with the United States and Canada, like, or they'll have like different— Um, and different holidays, you know, that are, that are modern holidays. So things like that, they're adapting and changing over time. I liked your rock on sign for Canada as I said that. So good. Okay. So, uh, just to say again, there are changes that are made to the book of common prayer post 1559, that version. So you get like three versions in 10 years, then you'll kind of have a slowdown until I think 1662 is the next major one. And it's essentially that 1662 one with different, um, like minor modernizations, but then you'll get in the current American, in the Episcopalian church currently, I think the 1979 is the current one. um, And has been for a while. Well, uh, since 1979, that's how math works. Um, The, the, you know, I, I won't go into any of this, but the, in, in North America, the Episcopalian church has split from the Anglican church of North America and the Anglican church of North America put out a new book of common prayer in 2019. So that's part of what's prompting all this also. Just all that to say, if you look for a book of common prayer, if you get either 1979 or 2019, you'll have a very good resource in front of you. So don't, it's one of those, you don't need to worry too much about which one of those two that you get. Um, I have both. I use the 79 one for a few years before. Now I have the 2019 one. So if the book of common prayer is a thing you're interested in, you don't need to like worry too much about which one you're getting. Okay so that was like 45 minutes of preface to the like actual thing that aj asked for in the first place so hope you appreciate that that's how this is because i'm rambling i do it was super interesting oh that's kind of you to say
0: no i i love when you guys talk about history especially english history like man that stuff's crazy it's yeah uh, yes um except we don't uh, except we don't know, know it. It. Except except the thing. we're gonna get a very cromwell kind and email. grammar all the well, time. i mean it, for me it just imparts a feel of mystery oh excellent <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think that's the wrong so, kind of mystery. Yeah.
0: So I know that some people died. I don't know who, wit, who, or when, yeah. or how they died. But I just know it was a bloody time. Yeah, like yeah. I,
1: I enjoy that. Yeah, so I'm okay with it. That's about how much I know. So good. Uh, okay. So that. So you know, I'm gonna now I'll do the fun thing where I skip over 400 years of history. So don't worry about anything between 1559 and 2019 done. And um, I never do. That's exactly right. So, nothing ever <laughs> happened. so again, the, the original question AJ asked and that I've dodged for 45 minutes is how do you use this book of common prayer? Um, so just I'll, I'll briefly talk about what's in it. Cause we're, you know, wrapping up toward the end of our time. So first off, just to say again, I'm referencing a 2019 book. You could get a 1979. They're both great. Um, what is in this book? Graham was just getting at this. So, like the main thing in this book is it's how to run a church service. Like that's your, that's your main thing that's in there. So um, the prayers that you'll, I mean the entire service from like um, it opens to it ends is in the book of common prayer. Now you'll see some um, deviations from that. When you go to individual churches, this kind of was your point before about Catholicism Graham, that, you know, certain songs are preferred by certain congregations. They'll get, put in certain places but just to say the the entire church service is in here
2: some Anglican churches have a little lady with an organ some Anglican churches have like the priest pick up a guitar in his vestments (laughs) it just sort of depends on which one
1: you're going (laughs) to
0: Um, I would just about kill to go to a church with a, with a decent organ I love organs you don't want a priest with playing like an acoustic yeah, but, guitar in nose vestments?
2: yeah seriously singing shine Jesus shine
0: I mean that's pretty awesome if you could be accompanied by an old lady <laughs> on an organ <laughs> why not That's both? that's the best of both worlds yeah it's true have you been
1: to that church before I went to,
0: I've went been to both of those churches many times I where know. was the organ
1: church can, <laughs> <and> can <laughs> I go there yeah
2: St. Oh. Paul's on Bloor in Toronto
1: oh, you gotta go yeah, to Toronto in Toronto yeah. Yeah, that's okay, my problem sorry. so again part of this is uh, so part of the book of common prayer if you're not a priest, or if you're not like leading services, there are large chunks of this that you won't use regularly. Though, if you ever have a question about, you know, I really liked that prayer we said on Sunday, what is it that the book of common prayer would tell you that in most cases. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, when I say the church services in there, you're probably thinking, you know, in what are the other 800 pages, right? Cause that would take up like five pages. Well, there are all different versions of services you could go to. So Holy week, the week leading up to Easter has a different type of service than a service with a baptism, which is also a section in here. So a lot of what's in here is our services that you don't you should not be like reading. The, you can do whatever you want to with your life, but you probably shouldn't be reading that every day. Those aren't the parts to be referencing regularly. Um, a The section of it that's more for like like lay people for like regular people like you and me is this thing called the daily office. And the daily office is just a goofy name for a regular set of prayer throughout the day. Um, it's modeled uh, in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. There are there's morning, midday, evening, and Compline. So there are four kind of kind of three of those prayers. That's modeled at, off of the Old Testament. Um, there was a morning prayer, afternoon, and evening prayer. Which here's my bad Hebrew for the day. Uh, I'm not even going to do it. Never mind. In the Old Testament, there are three times of prayer, and the Anglican model is is modeled off of that. If you're in certain um, Catholic churches, you may have heard of the daily office as a set of seven prayers. Or if you go to a a monastery or uh, a convent, you might see them doing seven prayers.
2: You're not getting up in the middle of the night, Thomas. That's what i was gonna say. <laughs> Two
1: of the, you know, one of them is at like four in the morning. Um, so uh, if th- is that that's matins? I think is the first one. There's
2: matins. There's vespers. Is like mid- is vespers midnight? Uh, or is vespers I think Compline? Isn't Compline? Compline's midnight. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's yeah. Anyway. Vespers
1: is the one right before bed. I think Compline mm-hmm. is like is the midnight, and then um matins is four a.m. somewhere around there. But th- that's Graham is joking about this, but like that's one of the reasons there are only three of these is that it's four. Everyday people in English are
2: like,
0: sleepy people. <laughs> sleepy exactly, people. yes.
1: And like a, a regular person is not going to wake up, you know, once at midnight and then another time at 4 a.m. It's meant for people to actually use. So, um,
2: dang, shots fired at the
1: <laughs> what? Oh, is this I mean, them at I'm, monks and well, I oh, don't know, at, at holy I'm people. Surely who, there people are some seven. people,
2: or maybe there's people like during Easter or something that will do in the seven. Is the seven in there? No, okay, they don't have it,
1: they don't have it, no, gotcha. um. And I want to say that's from, I think that's from the beginning of the Book of Common Prayer. There's been a reduced number of them. Um, So, yes, I'm sure there are some, there are people that maintain those hours and and bless them for doing it. But this is meant to be uh, like this. Anyone could do this, right? You can wake up in the morning, have a morning prayer with your family, take a break during lunch, do a midday prayer, and then pray at night with your family. Right. Like th- those are things that anyone could do. And that's more what the daily office is going for. So just to say it again, the daily office is the thing to be referencing regularly. Um, in the 2019 version, it's like the first thing when you open up the book of common prayer is the daily office. Um, I would advise anyone who wants to start having a like regular time of prayer, not to do the full office. Cause the morning one takes about an hour. The midday one's pretty short. It's maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but the, and then the evening one's also about an hour. Like, they're just, they're very long. Um, so either um, find a few prayers that you like from it. Um, anyway, just don't, it's, it's that thing about, like, developing a new habit. You shouldn't just jump in 100% with something. You should kind of ease yourself into it. So please don't try and do all three prayers in one day. You'll be unhappy. Okay. Do you all have any kind of, just now that I'm thinking about it do you have any kind of prayer practice like that a morning afternoon evening thing no i'm trying to reestablish
0: cuz yep. you know me lover of freedom when i was when i was a kid i was like you know what we should be praying all the time so why should i why should i like adhere to the tradition of it and now that i grow older i see the value of the tradition it's so that you know life doesn't get in the way and that right. like, you know to hedge up against those little bits of the nature of man that are going to come in and and ruin stuff like just the habit of not praying. Sure. And so I I want to reestablish something and I actually might look at the book of prayer as a way to do it. That would be really helpful to me.
1: Yeah. That's part of, you know, just, um, you know, my kid just turned two. So just being a dad over these last two years, there's something very helpful in not having to recreate all this, Mm -hmm. like not, and, and there, there's something, you know, there's something good to having, um, a unique prayer practice for your family. But, it's also nice not having to do all of this on your own and being able to pray alongside others with the same book of common prayer. So that's been very helpful of having a resource. That's like, just pray this, right? Like these are, these are things that have been passed down for 500 years. Much of it is scripture, which means it's older than that. Um, So that's, that's something I've definitely appreciated. Mm -hmm. I don't have to find like the most beautiful prayer to pray because a typical evening prayer is collected here.
0: It's super nice. Yeah. Right. I know that my, the, the folks I rent a room from do, Bible time with their kids every night and having, having a piece of the common book of prayer would book of common prayer would be really nice in that. Yeah, I think.
1: Um, okay. So that, that's that first part right there is the daily office. The daily office will make reference to other sections in the book of common prayer. So you just have to flip between them. That's why if you're on, if you're on YouTube, you'll see this, but if you're just listening, you won't, they, they sell different versions of the, of the book. And of, you know, obviously as a super Anglican, I have, both of them there's like uh, the regular version which is like the cloth cover that you would see at church and then they also have like a nice little leather bound one that has little ribbons in it you could also buy like a two dollar little ribbon bookmark and but anyway it's it's helpful to have those ribbons to uh flip throughout the book because you'll be as you're doing the daily office you'll have to flip to the psalms you'll have to flip to the collects you'll have to flip throughout the book okay sorry that was a tangent Okay, so daily office is the main thing that is helpful, that is like a daily thing to reference and to look at. Um, After that, it's a bunch of different services that you don't really need to be referencing regularly. Um, You know, in a book, the whole thing is about 800 pages. 200 of those pages are um, translations of the Psalms. Um, So part of that is referenced during the daily office. It's also what's used on Sundays for Anglicans. Um, But it's not, um, they are, I don't know the best way to say it, they're, they're like, uh, they're translations of the Psalms that are meant to be said out loud. So there's like a, there's like a poetic quality to them. And I'm sure someone who knows more about the translations can say more about it, but, but
2: they sometimes break them into a call and response, right? Yes.
1: That's yeah. a, and you'll see them structured that way too. And part of that is, you know, all like the, the form of Psalm is to have a line and then an inden- indented line. Right. Um, and which sets it up as a call and response. Um, but I don't know the way to like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, maybe we'll talk about it in the in-between, but like the message started out as a translation of the Psalms, but was an attempt to make it a more down to earth, I guess, translation the of message. Them. Yeah, that's what, that's how it started. <laughs> the message literally says
2: in it to raise the roof yeah, in that, like a, collo- like, like God raises the roof. Yes.
1: And that's what I was going to say of, um, I'm sure it was fun at the time, but, <laughs> but now here didn't we, are. we have a
0: student whose grandpa was one of the co-authors of the I message? I don't know, maybe. I don't I think know.
1: so. Um, but just to say that in in reading a more an attempt to modernize and make it you know relevant, um, you know, I personally don't find that appealing. Some might. Um, but these are an attempt at a more poetic um, version of the Psalms, which is, I think, what um, draws people to something like the King James Bible. Right. It sounds more literary than your colloquial way of talking. So just to say that that's more what the 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 Anglican translations are going for. Just to say that. Uh, then there are more services in there, um, and then it gets to a section. Um, um, uh, it's collects and occasional prayers. Uh, the the way I w- I've always heard this, and it's, it's, I'm sure this means it's wrong, is that it's called a collect because they're collected prayers. I don't know if anyone. Oh, I
2: thought it was a collect because it was supposed. It was you did at the beginning of the service to bring <laughs> people together. Like you, ever, it was the literally people. the thing that collected the people.
0: There you go to worship but i i, so I gonna, may have just see, made we that just up make in all my, the
2: stuff as we go maybe it was like a seven year old that's
1: well, what i made I up to, in my head we are still
0: gonna have one or two foyer stragglers <laughs> they're gonna they want to talk and talk about their week yeah. and don't want to come in
1: but. I do. i want us to be cited as a like uh you know collect comes from this and then we're the citation and then we've clearly made it up yeah, that, yeah. that's how long oh, no, my word we've made it is when yeah, we well. make it there um
2: but these will co- come up in review for our uh, podcasting <laughs> license you
1: know we're coming up on that yeah four years or whatever it is I don't know how many. The fees on that are ridiculous. Oh, my word. Wait, hold on. Um, But just to say that uh, the the collects are the prayers to say throughout the week. Again, this is to, uh, you know, you don't have to be original. You don't have to come up with these prayers on your own. They are collected here. And what's helpful is that it will will point you toward praying through certain topics you wouldn't pray for normally. For me, that would be like praying for um, missionaries abroad. It's just not something I think about a lot. Well, that will be brought into these collects. To ensure that you are praying for more than just you know God give me success right or something like that. Pray that we have fun. Yes, I know. I I know that's your pet. Just
2: pray that like the test goes well and we have fun.
1: Um,
0: That goes ah the prayers of teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) I still see nothing wrong
1: for praying for fun. (laughs) Could you anyway? Um, After again these are conversations are in between. Um, After that is um, occasional prayers. Sorry, listeners. Um, So the occasional prayers are for if you have a certain thing on your mind and you're looking for words to pray for, um, this gives you um, some words to say. Um, So uh, you'll have if you want to pray for the care of children, if you want to pray for a birthday, if you want to pray for guidance, if you want to pray for mercy, um, uh, a litany of thanksgiving. uh, um, You just have all kinds of different options of things to pray in there. And, again, you kind of get this. It's a more poetic prayer than one I would come up with on my own. But you don't reference the occasional prayers as often. Again, daily office is your main thing, but occasional prayers are good too. We're almost at the end, sorry. And uh, this wraps up. There's the um, calendar of the Christian year. So if you have questions about feast days or I think you even get like the lectionary readings in here, um, it's all printed here. So there's no like question of what should I be reading because it's all printed at the back. Is there a feast day today? I'm sorry? Is there a feast day today? I guess I could look it up right now. Hold on. Today is
2: the sixteenth.
1: Yeah. Man, I well, gotta get me looking this up right sorry. now. Sorry. No, you're good.
2: What do you think? What feast day do you think it is, oh, AJ. Feast of what?
1: Hedgehogs. <laughs> yeah. How did Why? you? Why? Know? Why in June? There's nothing. No feast day. No feast day. No. June sixteenth. There's nothing. This will come out on the. Oh no. It'll come out either today or tomorrow, and there's no feast day for either one. I'm very. When's sorry. the next feast day? Eighteenth. So right after that. Uh, catechist and Murder in Rhodesia Bernard Mizeki. Dang Yeah uh, I guess that's actually uh, Oh anyway Yeah well anyway There's so much in here But just to say if Like we've talked about Like the um, Church calendar and stuff Well that stuff's printed here You don't have to like guess What season we're in Or anything like that And then At the very Back of the Book of Common Prayer There's some like Historical documents Which you can look through If you're curious But you know It's there as a reference material More than anything Okay, so what's the point? There are parts of the Book of Common Prayer that are for regular use. The daily office would be the main thing for that in your uh, prayer day-to-day. And then if you have questions about any service that you go to, it's included in here. And then if you're just looking for a, a great translation of the Psalms, that takes up about a quarter of the Book of Common Prayer in total. So would highly recommend that. But that's the, you know, there's a, it's kind of a, it's a complicated history of why the Church of England split in the first place and then why this Book of Common Prayer exists now but as a historical document i find it very personally helpful it's what my family uh, prays together every night we do a, a shortened version of compline together and um, i'm just very thankful for it in my life and so i wanted to share that with our listeners i think that's all i got
0: cool that's awesome
2: i have questions for the in between episode Good.
1: well great
0: all right so this has been classical stuff you should know you can support us on patreon if you'd like it's what's what's the address on that? Patreon.com slash classical stuff. You got it. Uh, we have website classicalstuff.net. You can tweet at us at CLSSCAL stuff. You can email us at at theguysatclassicalstuff.com. We'll try to get back to you. Net. Dot net. We'll try to get back to you if we can. Uh, we get lots of emails and sometimes we have pretty busy lives. So it's, it's hard to get to all of those. If you have sent us something and haven't heard back, well, we've still probably got it, you know, floating around somewhere and we'll get to it if we, if we possibly can. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Bye, Joe.